RA Exchange. Hey, welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. My name is Chloe Lula, and I'm the producer of this show. Today, I'm happy to present a conversation with Mark Vera, otherwise known by his stage name, Flodan. Vera is an MC and producer who is a founding member of the grime collective Roll Deep, the artist behind releases on Hyperdub and True Thoughts, as well as collaborations with The Bug, Wiley, and Genius, and the founder of the label Spent Shell, which he started in 2015. But his stock has skyrocketed in 2023 since he emceed on Skrillex and Fred Again's year-defining anthem, Rumble. Vera spent his early days as a teenage drum and bass MC, and he explains to this episode's moderator, DJ and radio host Tosh LC, that growing up in East London with its rich culture around dance hall and reggae significantly impacted his approach to music and his view of the MC as the quote-unquote hub of all the vibes. He tells Tosh about how the neighborhood of Leighton influenced him, down to the way he ties his shoes and wears his clothes, and how his mom's passion for sound systems provided rich fodder for his later work. The sound system culture, my mom was into it. She had tapes after tapes of just dances. I knew about that. I didn't know if I liked it or not. I just knew what it was. So the drum and bass with the hosting, introducing songs and then chatting on some songs, and then like the MC being the hub of all the vibes, even though there's a DJ, but it's kind of like assisting the mm. vibes and explaining the vibes. Mm. I heard that in sound system culture. He also tells Tosh about his passion for working with other people. He claims that he's at his creative happy point when he's in the studio with people who get it and are willing to receive constructive criticism and leave their egos at the door. This has led him to single out a lot of newer, up-and-coming producers to bring under his wing, who he's identified as not only talented, but driven and ready to learn. He also discusses being shy on stage, floating as a character he dons for performances, and much more. Thanks so much for tuning in, and without further ado, here is the one and only Flodan. On today's Resident Advisor podcast, it's going to be myself, Tash LC, chatting to artist, MC, producer, all-round absolute hero of many, many scenes. Uh, he is an absolute UK legend, somebody that I'm super inspired by and whose artistry just keeps evolving and changing and growing. And uh, his name is just synonymous with some of the finest bass music in the whole country. And now the world, to be fair. Uh, he goes by the name of Flo Dan, and it's a proper, proper honour to be sitting down with him today for the IRA podcast. What are you saying? Du, 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 du. Hi, it's me. We made it. We made it. We are inside. Um, thanks for joining us. Have you done this before? Like big, long interview vibes. Like long You scared form. me now. You said it's big, long. Okay, not big, long. Have you done a uh, big interview? Yeah, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. So, yep, this is a first for me. Let's are you go. comfortable? Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I want to start off this chat today by taking it back. I feel like it's like we always talk a lot about the future as well and the present, but it's always nice to start off a bit in the past. You grew up in East London, brap, 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 uh, in the <laughs> 1980s, Forest Gate, and based now. Based now in Bo? Well, no, it was um, 1980s and 90s between Forest Gate and Leighton and, and Bo, them three areas. So were you moving a lot? 
No, they're just different sections. Like I was born and then I lived there. Then I grew up a little bit more. Then I moved. Then I started to commute to and fro between Bow and Wolfenstow because my school was in Wolfenstow, but uh, my nan lived in Leytonstone. Uh, okay. So it wasn't necessarily moving, but it was like, yeah, they were my bases, two main bases, Leytonstone and um, Bow. And out of those areas, was there anywhere like in particular that had the biggest impact on you or that you would spend your mo- the most of your time or that you felt like the most connected to or was like felt more nah, like home? For me, it's definitely like an even blend. Mm. Just the culture, like the further... Like it's East London, it's all East London, but once you get into Leighton Stone and Leighton, there's definitely more blackness. Yeah. And it doesn't mean black people, just blackness, like an attitude, a way of wearing your clothes, a way of wearing your trousers, a way of tying up your laces, um, even if it is for school. A lot of the people in my school were from like areas like Hackney and Tottenham, where there's a lot of blackness again. Sure. And I'm coming from like totally white, cockney, Bo, my lend. It wasn't more of an influence, it was just an even blend. So I definitely was like versatile. Okay, I hadn't, I was looking actually earlier when I was doing some research about like um, a tab here. It was like an article talking about East London in the 80s and like derelict housing estates and poverty. And I was seeing there would be like some images of like black kids in a very black area, some of Asian kids, a lot of Indian, like Bangladeshi kids. Of course. And then white kids Mm -hmm. and like I guess those were like three different East Londons pretty much right yeah there's not it's not it's not segregated like that like for me Bo is definitely a lot of Indian Bangladeshi white and um there's a few black people but definitely there was like sectors in my postcode that were definitely heavily populated with Mm. the Bengali people or Indian people or so forth so I was definitely familiar with that culture also them being, cultures I should say those cultures yeah and do you think those early exposures to like different cultures and di- different sort of ethnic groups and a different food different sounds different languages do you think that's had a big impact on how you approach music and like your open mindedness to various genres and scenes um, to be fair like growing up I definitely rejected a lot of open mindedness because mm. I, I felt like that's not for me this is me I was definitely finding myself by rejecting things mm. which was odd but um that's how i felt like our groups were like we were definitely like very um proud of how we done things so we wasn't necessarily trying to copy or really learn much from other cultures mm. and stuff like that even though subconsciously it was all influenced anyway but when you say food no we wasn't <laughs> experimental with right, the right, 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 um, right, 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 and the music because it was like if it wasn't like in our childhood or in our current vibe now nah I don't think we was necessarily trying to find out what's going on with the Turkish side of things even though we've got Turkish friends yeah. and so forth we wasn't trying to listen to that music or find out that we was definitely very just homed in on like our culture or what we thought was our culture and our vibes our fashions Right, okay, yeah, so maybe it's something that sort of had more of a sublim- subliminal effect more than like a literal effect. Yeah, in that more moment. subconscious, definitely. As I grow, I get to learn that everything influences you, whether you know it or not. For sure. And uh, what was sort of like, when was like little Mark the MC coming out at home? Like, what were those early days? What was little Mark like running around <laughs> at home? I'm so intrigued. I don't think I've actually seen any pictures of you as a kid, but uh, I really want to. They're funny still. <laughs> but um, earliest memories would have been... Maybe around 10, 11, when my mum got me a stereo. 
for my 10th birthday or 11th, I think. So I was like, now I've got the time by myself to listen and focus by myself. I remember like maybe getting into like an NWA album or something like that or Public Enemy. And I just found myself memorizing lyrics from that, feeling good that I could nail them lyrics, how they're nailing the lyrics. That excited me. Then the next progression from that would have been around 13, 14, listening to drum and bass MCs and then trying to emulate them and then getting close to certain MCs, meaning I could say their lyrics, recite them and stuff like that. And then that would be the time when I start to develop my own name and then copy what I've heard or what I've known out there in the wild and then um, just start to develop like that. So yeah, um, and none of that was, like my mum wouldn't have known any of this. It would just be my school friends and then um, whoever's like-minded. So there'll be a DJ. If there's like seven of us, two of them will be a DJ mm. and everyone just wants to MC. And even maybe before that, it would have been drumming on a table at school around like year eight. Um, we used to link up in the um, toilets, like everyone make an excuse to go toilet. Then we link up there and basically have a little 10 minute rave drumming, MC and vibes. The girls had to stand outside because it was a boys toilets, but they was vibes in outside as well. I didn't know it, but I was definitely moving towards entertaining and microphone stuff from about 10. Do you think you've always been a bit of an extrovert if you call yourself that then? Or do you feel like you, you used to be a shy kid and emceeing brought it out of you? Or do you feel like you always had that sort of like inner confidence and energy? So like you needed to put it into something? Like I, I really feel shy. I definitely feel I've been shy, but I've always been like willing to do that thing for the reaction. If it's make everyone laugh, be that obnoxious child in the classroom that just says the thing that, didn't need to be said but made everyone laugh that would have been me even out with my friends at the moment I can still be that person so I get that it's a performance I get that I enjoy the attention in that regard I still feel shy at times and I think people don't really understand that a lot of the time do they when it comes to especially artists performing artists singers MCs rappers whatever because it's like how can you be shy like you're on a stage you're performing but it's kind of a weird sort of like paradox isn't it where it's like yeah, it actually uh, like the, the shyness that it's still shyness but it's it's kind of comes out in a whole different way yeah for me I can hide behind my talent in that respect because mm. it's not me <laughs> like mm. for me Flo Dan's a character so there's no shyness if I'm going to step on the stage because I'm confident I've been practicing this all my life. I rely on my practice. I rely on my rehearsal. Just sure that I've been here before. I feel shyness might might even creep in when it's like um, I'm not confident about this conversation or confident about the result. A low expectation or even a high expectation. Some of that stuff creates some weirdness where I don't really be my most confident self. But realistically, when it comes to performing, that's second nature to me because I've been doing it, like I said, since 10. When you mentioned um, drum and bass and being inspired by MCs, I've read you were inspired by people like Hyper D, like MC Dead and Navigator. Like, was there any one particular artist specifically like within Jungle D&B who had a big impact on you in terms of flow and energy and style? Yeah, as you were saying that, it's really weird and stupid of me to really leave out the dancehall mm. because 
that is what I would have been exposed to without my choice. Before sure. my mum got me a stereo, I knew about dancehall, I knew about stage shows and stuff like that. And I definitely had my favourites from there. And I was definitely trying to emulate from there. To really tidy up the timeline, so to speak, it would have been people like Shabaranks, Papa San, Ninja Man, Supercat, Admiral Bailey. Them people was like my first influences before I even listened to any Public Enemy or drum and bass. Mm. But what drew me to the drum and bass is that them artists what must have had the same favourites as me because they was reminding me of them people. Mm. Ragga Twins, Navigator, as you said. So it was easy to connect because it was from a UK standpoint. Mm. There was like these Jamaican people, but it had more me to it. It felt like more me, more easier to connect because it wasn't full patois all the time and the beats wasn't like Caribbean beats, Jamaican beats. So the familiarity from being exposed to dancehall, reggae was there. And then the home feeling of like it being a UK sound made it just perfect for me to enjoy and emulate. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I guess like as well in terms of like generationally, you would have been, was your mum an immigrant as well? No. No, so you would have been like second, third generation yeah. then. And like, yeah, I understand that because I guess also even how you're receiving like reggae and dancehall, it's like, you know, from records that are being sent from like Jamaica or from the States from like thousands of miles away and even like transmitted across airways. But like jungle and drum and bass happened on your doorstep. It's in East, it's in South, like it's right there, right? Exactly. And also it was... I saw it as like an extension of the sound system culture. Mm. And that is something I was exposed to. Again, my dad having a sound or being a part of a sound called Coxon from Brixton. Oh, your dad was part of Coxon? Yeah. Sick. So the sound system culture, my mum was into it. She had tapes after tapes of just dances. So I knew about that. I didn't know if I liked it or not. I just knew what it was. So the drum and bass with the hosting, introducing songs and then chatting on some songs and then like the MC being the hub of all the vibes, even though there's a DJ, but it's kind of like assisting the mm. vibes and explaining the vibes. Mm. I heard that in sound system culture. Like, yo, next tune I got, rare, rare, rare. listen this one, new double it, all that stuff I knew about. So when they're saying, yo, next tune coming in, big tune by rare, 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 Ronnie Sides, it's just an English version of that. And then that same person's got lyrics for the tune as well. Or when there's a gap between vocals. So it just made sense. It's like live radio, isn't it? Like as totally. in like giving so like the importance of No, radio is meant to be the rave. Yeah, That's yeah. That's how it yeah, was. Yeah, radio yeah. was meant to be a snippet of what you're gonna of a rave vibe. It's not that anymore. But yeah, it's it's not like radio. Radio was, at them points, especially pirate radio, was trying to just emulate what we do in the dance. So when we have a dance, you come, you arrive. And this is a taster. It's a taster, right? Yeah, yeah. Two hours, hour and a half. That's like raves are six hours and so forth, isn't it? In regards to then kind of getting involved in radio, I'm suppose, I'm guessing that was when in like late teens, early 20s sort of time. Um, getting involved in radio myself would have been in grime so i'm late i came on the radio year 2000 2001 even though my friends are really seasoned on the radio in drum and bass hence wiley target breeze they was doing it from like 96 7 8 9 even garage they was on the radio during the garage section until that evolved to grime i didn't see the radio why was it later for you shy 
Yeah. <laughs> um, not, realistically, I was not ready. Judging myself to my peers, the Wileys and the Caspits and the Breezes, they were sick. Yeah, I had a long way to go. So um, it just wasn't my time yet. Yeah, I guess like when it happened for you, though, it happened proper. And like you were very much instrumental to a lot of what was going on in sort of grime days on the radio and jungle days. And um, So you weren't really on Garage, were you? No, I was in Page Ago and I classed that as a Garage crew, but it's still it's on the Class cusp as a of grime like... Crew, yeah. It's on the cusp of like when things were evolving into grime. But and at that point, I, me and Wiley formed Row Deep also. Yeah, so we was both Page Ago members, which to me is a Garage crew, like so solid and them thing there and then Roll Deep was like yeah this is the new like the 2.0 of what was going on o- over there but now this is like a full version of it no compromise it's grime so no I'm not influential in garage I think I'm influential in grime did you feel like from that transition from pay as you go going into Roll Deep did you feel that garage wasn't really connecting with you on like a music level did it not really or was it more that you're more excited by grime or was it just that you felt like you had just missed it and it just was like a kind of train that had gone past for you no nah, i missed the garage train on purpose because when the man started to go raves coliseum and all these things yeah and yeah, yeah. Said, and i said i'm not coming i'm staying at home why are you being stush it just didn't seem like a vibe i cared about right. i was into dance what champagne popping vibes yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. shoes and all these things yeah 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 i didn't care so I knew where my raves were. I knew what I was doing, which wasn't that. So I stayed away still. Um, I only got involved when the music changed and Wiley said, yo, right, we've made No We, or he made No We, that went off, that was crazy. And then he said, right, we're going to studio again. Mark, I know you've got bars, you've always had bars. We're going to studio. I said, all right, say no more. So we went to studio and made a tune called Terrible, which would have been the follow-up to No We. And then feedback of that was so great to the point where we had to continue and that was that and what was it like like now you work we obviously you have spent shell you work we collaborate with a lot of artists but i would say like from my perspective anyway like you're predominantly like a solo artist yes but what was it like being part of a crew and how did you find like your own identity and voice and like in a i'm sure that you're, you're crazy because i'm sure there was difficulties because <laughs> you're Yo. uh, one what's it like being one voice of many as opposed to like just doing yeah you? um because there was no plan to it in the first place. Mm. It wasn't like a realization like, hey, this is a crew and we're all individuals and sure. we're meant to be moving in the same way. Like we've always moved in the same way anyway, as a family, so to speak, give or take a few members. Anyway, because like the core members are actually brethrens like that. Like mums know each other and went to school and primary school and all these things. So there was no evidence of separation and different people wanting different things until like it gets to the point where everyone's kind of used to the scenario and what's the scenario you was making music for fun now you're making it for money Mm. (laughs) there was a point where it was like excited about that and grateful and oh my god this is sick then it started to become like well i'm only doing it if it's going to be like this sure and now i can't be bothered today even though we're a team but someone can't be bothered and then that kind of starts to creep in and everyone starts saying like, or thinking, or some people start thinking, hold on a minute, but he didn't have to turn up for the little interview that didn't really mean anything. So do you know what? Next interview, I'm not turning up. Mm. And then, okay, it's not my verse. So I ain't really got to perform because I'm not, it's not my verse yet. Or I'm not on this tune. So I ain't really got to hold up face and look like I'm enjoying the show until it's me. 
and them little things started. So then we always had the conversations and we always had the arguments and we always fixed it, so to speak. But what I would say is that in a crew or in a team, you will find out that not everyone's a driver or not everyone's a leader and that's fine. But um, if people don't understand their roles in the situation, sometimes it can just halter the whole situation. Mm. Hold it back as opposed to be progressive. Do you feel like there could have ever been a possibility of it lasting up until like today? No. I don't think it's realistic to have 40-year-olds <laughs> <laughs> in a team like that, jumping up and down, doing the music in that same way. Right, yeah. I do believe that there was a way that you could maintain the business and be a brand and so yes, forth. But yes. you're not going to be making the latest hits 20 years later for young people or for people like that in the same vein mm. but I feel like I'm evidence and people like Mango are evidence of like you can maintain a career any age yeah. it's just that you definitely have to evolve and change and um, be consistent yeah the consistency that's something that I'm always so like stunned by with you is that your consistency has just always been there and I read something uh recently I can't remember it was an interview that you did and you said that I think it was a beatport thing and you said that some people think that you're a new artist and I thought that was jokes but I'm imagining that a lot of that has happened from the Skrillex thing yeah definitely and that's fun that's like a blessing I didn't even know it existed yeah 20 years later getting opened up to a whole new world of people. And because it's such an interactive world, time I should say, and the internet leaves nothing unexposed. Yeah. It's all there so you can say, right, who is this guy today? And then by tomorrow you know his whole life story and his whole discography and so forth. So seeing that and seeing people like go down the rabbit hole of Flowdown is interesting because I know that there's so much there for them to take in. For me, it's like, oh, as a fanatic myself, I am excited for them because some of them are going to be like fans of me forever now. And then I guess through that, like, say, for example, you've got like the sort of more EDM leaning like US lot that are like first hearing you for the first time. Then free exposure to you, they're being opened up to like the bug, to like old grime stuff. They're being opened up to like UK dubstep, UK bass, like drum and bass. Like it's like you are opening up worlds, basically, and like connecting worlds. Yeah, um, gladly. It's interesting because... I'm starting to see a separation between this EDM world and the MC anyway. Um, so I'm glad I'm here to like sort of change that or balance it out because the grime I know, the garbage I know, the drum and bass I know, the dubstep I know, vocals goes hand in hand with all of that. And it feels like on these festivals and big shows, there's massive producers and massive DJs that have got massive songs with vocalists or samples from vocalists, but there's no mention of them. And the vocalist isn't there. There's not, there's not even a mention. And I was lost. I was, I was confused when I saw so many people that make music with me and make music with vocalists and they're going to headline massive shows and there's no mention of the artist or of the vocalist, I should say. And for me, that, that's a problem. Um, and that's not balanced and that's not um, what the music is. Mm -hmm. The fans or the supporters are uh, being sold short because that's not the full package.
Agreed. Like for me, that's why working with MCs I find so fun because I just think there's something that you can you can't get from just a straight DJ set, for example, without a voice. I think an MC just adds so much value, and and also I, you know, you see it all the time. I'm sure like there's moments where if you're watching a DJ, the crowd sort of not, not as engaged, to chat in a little it's bit, stagnant. and then once you bring someone in, they're like, oh shit, okay, I'm back in the room. Yeah, or <laughs> even. The DJ picks up the mic and engages, yeah. and as that simple helps. as that, yeah, that helps. So, the artist or the MC or the vocalist is like the best for that job. Not saying they need to be the headline or the highlight, but it's as it's meant to be unison. Obviously, every producer and every DJ runs their set how they feel is best for them. But for me, when you say EDM, mm, it's missing vocalist guys. Mm. especially in the live arena because there's samples and there's this and there's that going on in the music but there's no representation when it's come when it's time to see this on stage and is that something that you try and be quite adamant about when you're working with new people is that you want to like at least do a show with them at oh. this stage i'm not really pressed because i've i feel i've got my opportunities and it's, sure. it's like it's cool for me but yeah that was something that um at one stage, it was like, yeah, if you're going to do a song with me, then it would be nice to know that there'll be opportunities to perform this track with you. Don't really say that no more because a lot of the times recently, people want me on the stage anyway. But so, yeah, that was something that I had my management state. Don't try and just record me. Call me, bruv. <laughs> It's true because otherwise it's so easy to just sort of become an anonymous voice amongst another a million anonymous voices and it actually just does such a disservice to the artist. Facts. I wanted to go back a bit again and chat a bit about dubstep. Let's go. So like early 2000s, dubstep's coming out of UK garage, elements of like broken beat, grime, drum and bass in there, this new sounds emerged. It's like, and there's so many different divisions of it. And you've made, been on and made a lot of dubstep tunes. May not produce, but been on, right? Yeah, been on. Um, what was that sort of like early draw to dubstep for you, and why did you why did you like the sound? For me, it wasn't much different to grime. Mm. It, like I I didn't really differentiate like that. I do now because there's an obvious difference for me. But in that day, it was more. This could be grime because for me, dubstep wasn't a defined sound. Grime was just about a defined sound. Mm. So anything 140 experimental bass where I think I could chat lyrics, that's a grime beat as far as I was concerned. Mm. Then I get to learn that some people didn't feel welcome in grime. <laughs> so they went and done this other thing, which they called dubstep. Cool. So I didn't really, I didn't take it personal. I didn't really care because the people that was doing dubstep was happy to work with me, was glad to have me on their sets. Um, hence, they're, well, not hence, but there was probably fans of me in the grime so forth. So, yeah, um, it was like, like a cousin vibe, like it was family. But what I do say now is that the dubstep quality control is way different to the grime quality control, or was. I think that what is what separated them for me in sound, just the quality and organisation amongst their gatekeepers so to speak why do you think that was maybe because they saw the mess that grime was <laughs> this is all maybe but um it looks like they just didn't make the mistakes grime was making and because i feel grime is like a vocalist led genre yeah, I was gonna say. and then these guys are producers so like that just brings a whole different dynamic and a different type of um 
energy, party vibe. Everyone's got an ego. Everyone's got competition at mind. Everyone wants to be the best. But I feel producers manifest that in their work. And some of us grime artists manifested it in different ways. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah, you've put out some like very big dubstep tunes. Obviously, you've worked with people at Flux Pavilion, with Skrillex. And there's like a huge tune from your original Dan uh, record <laughs> called Run. And that is some oh big God. off bass line. I listened to it yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Um, and I think like when you just said about the 140 thing, I was like, yeah, I can tell that that, that above like the genres and above like the whatevers, I feel like that's just what you've always just been connected to. Is if it's kind of in that realm, you're here for it. So it's an energy thing more than anything else. Yes, that's how I ended up liking the Bugs music. Yes. Because he doesn't class himself as dubstep either. I was going to say, yeah, in terms of the bug, like... Okay, Kevin Martin, big bad big boy producer um, who's been working with Flo for like a long time. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the bargain and how it's been working with him and also like what the secret is to such a long-standing working relationship and how you don't make it work for so long. Uh, we're both miserable. Right, yeah, that true. E that makes things easy. <laughs> we don't have to talk much. Um, great relationship. Meeting him was like um, an opportunity that necessarily wasn't for me. It was for Rico. Rico didn't turn up and then like the spec oh. like the spec was like yeah I need a ragga style MC and yeah I need Rico because he's the sickest and rightly so um, and Kevin knew our manager at the time or still does so Rico got the call didn't make it and then I was like and then David which is our, was our manager at the time was like yo Mark, can you go down there and do this? Because Rico can't make it. He needs Ragga style MC. I was like, all right, no problem. I'll be there. Went and done a radio show, Marin Hobbs or something like that. And then from there, Kevin says he liked my attitude and he liked that um, I was open to these different type of beats. So he hollered me and said, yeah, that beat that you was MCing on, do you want to vocal that? I was like, yeah, 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 I'll vocal that. Came studio, vocal that. And then we started the relationship from there. That particular song was Jawar. Yeah. Now that wasn't a dubstep song as far as Kevin's concerned, but Lofa done a remix, a dubstep remix officially, and that started going off in the raves. So from there, we've got a song in the dubstep realm. And then um, we made Skeng shortly after that, maybe a few tunes in between, but then one day I brought Killer P to the studio, we made Skeng, and then that started going off in all the dubstep raves. Code Nine playing it, Mala playing it, Lofa playing it. So it's like, okay, that song's just like a part of the furniture when it comes to dubstep. So that puts Flo Dan and Killer P in that realm and the bug. But yeah, the secret was just like, he's a person that don't compromise his sound, mm. whether it's in fashion or not. He don't really bend, break or fold. His style is his style. And if there's going to be any change, it's going to be more intense of his style. So... Coming from Roll Deep, coming from like working with Wiley, seeing all people around me be successful in all different ways, I was definitely like experimental with my deliveries and my beats I was liking and stuff like that. And he always said to me, do you know what? Stop that. Stop all that. You are sick at this. Just be unforgiving and keep doing this. Mm. So anytime me and him made a song together, I found it super easy because I didn't really have to reach out of my box. Mm. I was just always going to be the obnoxious, ignorant me that I like to be on a track. So that was easy. That is still easy. And he was right. 
Yeah, he was. Like, uh, you guys have made Bag of Bangers together up until last year uh, when you were did a track on his album Fire, which mm. is sick. And I just think Skeng came up, what, 14 years ago down to Free to Pressure, which came out in 2021. And I saw you perform the other day at Dead Mantle Festival right after me, mm-hmm. which was insane. And, like, the tracks that you guys have made together and, like, just even you just hosting over a set on other instrumentals just sounds so fresh. And um, Kevin seemed to be, like, super surprised by the crowd reaction. I think he had low expectation and was like, fuck, okay, like, actually, this still yes, goes off. He and did. do you feel the same way? No, I... I didn't because I've been like I've like again I'm not as seasoned as him but that might be his problem because he might be used to things going a specific way and I'm seeing all types of random things work out so like when I saw him in the daytime he was like I'm not sure what to expect yeah the lineup's totally different to us we're gonna be freaks we're gonna piss on their parade it's not gonna go well and I I've heard him say this before and I've heard him be wrong and I've seen him be right mm. I just felt like, and this one, he's totally wrong because there's a lot going right for me. So I can't really see it be an anticlimax regarding anything if I get on that stage and just deliver me. I don't know if they're into you at this minute, Bug, but don't worry, that's going to be irrelevant because the show's going to be sick. But I was totally right. And they're totally into the Bug because I heard his intro, which had nothing to do with me. First 10 minutes, he DJs and plays beats and songs and stuff like that. And it was going off anyway. So um, he was wrong in that case. And it was the best show we've had in a long, a long time, to be fair. Yeah, it was mental. It was proper, proper sick. And it felt like, as you said, when he started and then you came in and added that extra layer. It wasn't, it was extra layer on facts, top. Facts, um, Like a whole other instrument being added into the equation and it popped. And uh, I'm assuming you guys have plans to create more together at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, plans... No, because we don't talk about it, but we just know you just it's, do a, it. it's a yeah. We yeah, like yeah. we just know it gets done. I feel like out of the collaborations that you've done, it's like such I would say the most distinctive sound because obviously like Kevin's created such an distinctive thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's just madness basically, yeah. just complete madness. This thing that... is just um, like apocalyptic every single yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right the word end of for the it. world stuff. Like with that set, for example, like you could, even though he was really aware that the sound was different, I think what then happens is when you've got like one kind of continuum, it's like when something like that comes in, people are hungry for it and they don't even realise it until they hear it. And then yeah. when they feel that bass, they're like, Bleh! yeah, I'm and that's glad. The release. I'm glad you got to see that because, yeah, it was definitely young people going crazy to, as you said, Skeng's 14 years old. So if some of these people were 24, Skeng was out when they were, when they was 10. Mm. Even if they're 34, it was out when they was 20. It's timeless. So that being said, when we're making the music, I think that gives you the right to really have a good show because your music is like, it stands the test of time. For sure. And you've collaborated with a lot of people more recently-ish, Lemotel, Motel, Sammy Virgie, D-Double, of course, um, Fred again, Effie, The Bug, like... Chasing Status. Chasing Status. Look, I'm not going to list them all, but a lot. Chasing Status, Loads. yes, the most recent yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. We've just mentioned The Bug, but any other particular favourite collaborations, like either like of late or a while back? But like, actually, no, let's talk recently. Like, What's been a recent really fun collaboration to make or anything that's kind of like taking you by surprise? Well... It's not funny when me and Skrillex work together, but it's sick because like I never heard a lot about him. I've heard I've heard people talk about him like, yeah, there's some sick super producer out there. He does this, he does that. And he took the dubstep sound and all these things. I've heard that stuff. But 
getting to meet him myself and actually seeing his process to the music, which is so refreshing because it reminds me of Wiley. It reminds me of like someone that's not really into any aesthetics. It's just, I just want this to sound sick. And there's yeah. no place and no time where they're not trying to accomplish this. I saw that first in Wiley and I've seen it like the man just wants to do music, um, whether it's via FaceTime, whether it's internet, email, laptop, whatever. Someone that's so like into it like that is refreshing because that's how fanatic I am about it. I really care about that next bar. I really care about finding something that don't exist yet. And it gets boring when there's no one around to collaborate with like that. Some people are very like circumstantial or like they have their time when they work and they have their time when they're chilling, they have their time when they do gym. Yeah, balance. But I find myself that um, I just hate when someone says, yeah, I'm going home now or I'm done. And I'm thinking, bruv, we're just getting going. But with Skrillex, it's nothing like that. That It's unlimited. So that's fun. Do you feel like boundaries are not really that much of a thing for you when it comes to working? Will you just go and go and go until you're like... Collapsed? Until I physically... Collapse. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will keep going. Um, that being said, the work process for me isn't necessarily like relentlessly trying to find it. There's a lot of relaxing mm. in that. So that's why it isn't, it's not pressure. Um, there are certain professional situations, which I'm not talking about, but regarding like, okay, yeah, you've got a session with this person. You're going to go there for three hours and you're going to whatever. In them situations, I, it is more of a switch on your professional hat and get this job done as opposed to when I'm working with the like-minded person that has an unlimited time and effort for this. It's just more relaxing. But you'd say that's when you're at your like kind of creative happy happy point is when you're working with people where that it is it they feels more it. limitless and you yeah, vibes just, and vibes and vibes. Yep, people that get it and people that um are willing to make that mistake also or get told, no, we don't want that. Honesty. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's honesty, it's no ego, it's many things, but um just willing to like have their opinion not liked. <laughs> Um, or their idea, vice versa, um, for me, yep, definitely tell me if that's not the one. I want to know that sooner than mm. later, because I always work it out in the end, but I'm pissed off if you was there and you could have just told me, no, 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 no. That being said, yeah, no boundaries and limitless time, please. And it's been nice, like, seeing you working with younger kind of new producers like Lamatel, Sammy Virgie, Effie, like, yeah. how do you, what's your kind of selective process like when you choose who to work with and what to say yes to, what to say no to? If you've got the sick beat, that's it, a sick beat. We don't, we don't really need to get too much into it because for me, I've learned that, like, your following and all that stuff is definitely important, but it's more about your drive. If, I do a bit of research on your Instagram and, and I can see that you're doing it, whether it's you're posting bedroom sets, you're mixing, you're posting on SoundCloud, stuff like that. Your activity, that's mm. it, if you're active, because some people can, can make a beat but just listen to it for themselves and make sick music and just listen to it for themselves. That doesn't help me or them, or it don't help me. So that's what I need you to be active with this project, with this song, and be talented. And be talented, no pressure then. No, 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 you've got to be sick. 
I think that's what makes you accessible though and makes you feel like an accessible artist is because people get to see that you are like actively working with those like newer producers but also like the, the key for quality is there obviously the quality control is there but I think especially when you've gone from having a tune you know like you have had with Rumble mm -hmm. and that sort of moment I think it can make an artist feel like they're very out of reach so it is wicked still seeing you working with a lot of like UK producers and we're like okay if Lowdown's still about it it's still about the culture I'm still about it's definitely like I've I've heard two people say I'm doing too much, but when I see you, we're gonna have words um, <laughs> because tomorrow's not promised. Yes, mm. status. Yes, politics does exist. Yes, people look at you a specific way, then they look at you another way when you do another thing. All of that does exist, perception, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, I love music, and I'm not supposed to do less music because I'm successful. Mm. That's what I want you all to know, especially used to that I've said I'm doing too much. I'm not supposed to do less. I'm supposed to be choosy. I'm supposed to have quality control anyway. That wasn't something I need to be new to because I'm successful. Um, it's always been there. That's how I got here. So it's more of the same for me. Please expect that. Mm-hmm. And with being choosy, I guess, and selective, a lot of that can come from having like a strong team. And uh, you've been working now with Synchronicity and with Nikki for how long? Well, if you're saying Skeng's 14, so I'd give me and Nikki about 11 or 12. Okay, so a good amount of time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like from what I see, you guys have a, a good working relationship. And what's that been like and how important has it been to your career to have a, a manager that you can trust? Was the question how important? Yeah. Oh, all of the important. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot. She's taught me a lot. I'm sure she's learned a lot as well. But we've actually got our relationship finely tuned now. A lot of character learning because there's the job, there's the role, and then there's the characters that intertwine and maybe make certain areas get grey. But we've fine-tuned that. And um, it wouldn't be like this if I didn't have someone that I trust mm. and has knowledge on how things are, some, are meant to be. Like I said, we've both been learning, but um, it's the best thing when you've got someone that you trust and that someone that is committed to seeing this these processes through. Yeah, I get on her nerves. And I'm sure she can get on yours a little bit too. No, she never gets on she my nerves. She never gets on yours. No, Actually, what am I saying? Of course you get on her nerves. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> of course that's you get on her nerves. That's, that's it. <laughs> but it's that family thing, innit? When, it, when you feel that evolve and blossom into like a family dynamic, then that's when it's like, okay, like, it's trust. Even with the jarriness, with the whatever, the, the base of it is trust. Especially with making those like collaborative decisions and with the label as well, I wanted to talk about Spencer, which is your mm. record label, which you yeah. started, which Nikki helps you out with too, I think, does she? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. Nikki helps you with that. And you started that in 2015? Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. So it's been like eight years now and yeah. I'm just looking at your band camp and at the back catalogue and there's been some bits on here. I bought some releases yesterday. Ooh. What was I vibing with? Let me look Thank in my you. basket actually. What was I enjoying? Gridlock. Mad. War mode, mm -mm. certified submarine rhythm and bad girl. Submarine Bangers. rhythm, the dance all thing. Those yeah? are my favorites. Yeah, they're in my basket. I need to check out. Bad girl is hard as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There's some banging tunes on here. Uh, actually, I think the first thing which I didn't before, before I knew it was Spent Shell, the first record I bought, which was just straight from Bandcamp, was I Tookie's Ba um, Badum Dung ba -dum -dum. tunes. Ba -dum -dum. Yeah, my um, production. 
Is that your production? Yeah, and on Bad Girl. I'm taking oh, that. Oh, go on. What I love about the label is that, like, it's, it kind of, it goes back to what we spoke about at the beginning, like you growing up around dance or around reggae and never really, never forgetting those roots. And, like, I love that you've put out some wicked dancehall records on the label too, as well as some, like, super heavy, grimy dubstep stuff as well. Mm-hmm. What's it like running a label and what's the intentions for it? Yeah, so what's it like running a label? It's fun because I can definitely just control how, when, who, and just really like, um, what's the word, express what I think sick, apart from just like my lyrics or my beats, I can really take someone's beat and someone's lyrics and say, no, I don't know what, this is cold. Everyone, check it out, please. Mm. Or whoever knows about us, check this out, please. So that's a sick opportunity. That's a sick thing to do. And then that also provides more collaboration for me, just from a whole nother extension, like I can jump on a beat over there or MC or even write a hook or so forth. Like it just allows me to really stay connected to the creative process Mm. and also continue to give because it doesn't have to be for me, for my project, for anything to do with me. Yeah, it's my label, but my label is created just as a platform for the talented people that I think are sick. Um, So that's fun. My plans is to expand it to the point where it's just more continuous music and a place where that untapped talent can flourish. Yeah, I love that. It would be sick to see, like, Spence your boat party. I've done one, you know. Did you do one? Oh, Tash. Oh, what? Where? What, what? Croatia, where? In Outlook? Yes. Oh, About, like, I didn't Obviously, know. it was before COVID, but that was a zoo on the water. Was it sick? I promise you. Ira, Flodan, Manga, yes. Spooky, uh, Khan. It was crazy. Oh, man. It was crazy. It wasn't, I'm not, it was crazy. <laughs> okay, well, round two, we're ready. Yeah, no, nah, they are. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay, are. hard, hard, hard. I love that. And like, yeah, I suppose that that's the beauty, isn't it, of running a label? It's like there's no one to tell you what to do. If I want to go and if I want to go and back out and upload a one-two tune, put it up on, it's, it's done, it's there, it's on yeah, schedule. I don't really struggle with people telling me what to do like that, but I just like having more options and more ways to really just add to what's going on. Yeah, totally. What does integrity mean to you as someone who is part of and like has been part of so many scenes? Well, for me, the integrity is just all about self. It's all about are you getting out of it what you intended to get mm. out of it? Are you are you doing it for your reasons? That's as far as the integrity goes for me because I don't really get involved in the genre jumping conversations. I really hear them. I know they're alive, but I think it's silly. I think if there was less genres, we'd be more happy anyway. Mm. I'm not saying less music. I'm just saying there doesn't always have to be like a draw a line and say this is different because of the types of sounds you use or the program you didn't use or whatever. There's so many isms, I just think it's silly. So much boxing in. Yeah. And that's, you know, you're a testament to that because you, like, do so much and, like, your open-mindedness is super inspiring because I think that's that's probably where the longevity comes from too, right? If you'd clapped yourself at, say, grime, be a different story. Yeah, it's. I'm glad that um, I'm just elusive to some of them conversations or some of them facts or whatever they are I don't really hear them so when someone says you are right like or yeah a dr- like the drill and grime's a good one to me I'm hearing a sick beat that I can spit on there's no point telling me I'm on a drill beat there's no point saying that chances are you're just going to say it's a sick flow dance tune that's it rumble what genre is rumble I'm not, I don't even want you to answer that I just want 
us to like understand. Let the artist that's on the tune decide what they're doing. And like, that's so true when you say about a flow dance song versus you being a feature on a track. Like, so I think the distinctiveness of like your voice and your flow, I think anything that you go and becomes a flow dance track. That should be the goal for most artists or every to be the leader of their sound as opposed to, right, Graham's dead now, so you're dead. Mm. But I didn't kill Graham, I know, but it's dead, so you're dead. It don't make no sense. Or the garage scene's gone now, you ain't getting as much bookings. This is a joke. You should try and be the leader of your thing, and when it dies, it's because you decided to kill it. It's fear, though, I guess, isn't it, for a lot of people? It's fear of changing and, like, boxing yourself into I'm this or I'm that, or because that's what you've been told. So, like, breaking free of that, I think a lot of people never really manage to achieve, so... You're one of few, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of few, but I feel that some people are not really aware. Yeah, that they're just they're like even happy in going yeah. on and it's sick. I'm getting bookings. Raw, garage is in now. I'm getting beer bookings and dubstep's the thing now. I'm getting, are you the thing? Because mm. that is the only thing that's going to make a difference in the long run. Not garage is the thing now or grime is the mm. thing now. That's why I would love to see like what we've been doing, for example, with our shows. And like I'd love to see just more crossover with people bringing on MCs to say like even techno onto like whatever, into like global club stuff, onto like Afrobeats, onto I'm a piano bringing grand MCs. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's so much space for collaboration and that's the only way that we can create like long lasting relationships and like people's sounds can change and evolve is through working with newer people and trying new things. Otherwise, like... It becomes a very, very dry world, doesn't it? 100%. But I'd also find that um, when some people get to a specific tier in music, the genre word goes out the window mm. and they're just focusing on vibes, expression mm. and what sounds sick. When Skrillex is producing for someone like Justin Bieber, I don't think he's thinking, right, I need this to be dubstep and sound this, that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's potentially i don't know because I, I don't i didn't speak to him about this but i would imagine he would be thinking what is justin bieber's vibe mm. or they might even have a conversation of where they want to go now what vibe they want to have so if you're genre led you can't have that conversation because the man might just tell you no nah, but i want this tune to be free bpm bruv and this is where this is where we got to start from if you can't have that conversation you you ain't gonna be a part of that work and it's such a talent thing though, isn't it as well? Because I think for me, like looking at like producers and well, like Skrillex as a great example of that, to be able to go and work with Justin Bieber, then to work with you, then to work with, the, to have that skill set, to be able to switch from that genre to that genre and be able to sit down and make that type of beat. That is sick. And that's something that a hundred percent should be utilized. Same with, with MCs. Same with, do you know what I mean? If you're able to be versatile, I think that that is such a key thing to tap into because as I said, not everyone is able to do that. And it's just a skill set and you've got so why not embrace it all and try it all? Yeah, like I reckon everyone's in it for different reasons anyway. But mine, I'm such a fanatic. I've said it a few times in this interview, like or conversation. I'm such a fanatic in listening to something and trying to work out what made them be that guy. Or yeah, sure. Say that, or why did she do it like that? Whatever it is, I get lost in that. So I that just tells me I'm that nerd, I'm that fanatic, I'm that person that will put all my time and resources into just working out something that's irrelevant to everyone. Mm. Not everyone's like that. Not everyone, no, not everyone's <laughs> like that. And before we round up, I wanted to know, obviously you've been touring lows, like 
I'd say you're a pr- pretty much a constant <laughs> touring artist, no? Yeah, Nikki wants to change that and, and <laughs> turn it into it. some type of seasonal. When you've got a project, you can get the big money show. But I want people to feel the vibes all the time. So no, the I've loved turning around <laughs> in the last few weeks at different festivals. I've been like, oh, there he is. Because you are on the road a lot and you're always on the touring circuit. I wanted to know what does the club and festival space mean to you now? And, and how do you still stay excited in those spaces? All right. You saw me at that festival the other day. Outlook? No. Oh, Deck Mantle, yeah. Deck Mantle. Now, for me, that had a club vibe, Mm. but it was a festival. Mm. A roof might have helped or the setup might have helped. I don't know. Um, It wasn't too... like I didn't feel dwarfed physically Mm. and I felt I could connect with the people. So I know you might have said festival and rave as if it's one, but for me, they're separate. Mm. The rave space for me is where I, where we get that real punk mm, energy mm, mm. where everyone's sweating and everyone don't know where their phone is. Mm. That is the peak for me. What's happening at that festival the other day was close to that. Well, basically it was that. There was people surfing, crowd surfing, blah, blah, blah. It was a mad thing. But it was in a festival, so it was weird to really accomplish. But I just think that was due to certain other situation like I don't know the set out whatever it is because there's some massive festivals that I've been on and I can't feel the energy yeah I'm not gonna lie I can see I can hear but I can't really lose myself in the performance it feels like and now I'm gonna do my next track thank you one two three Mm. go like it really feels like some type of concert vibes like that and I'm not complaining I just know the difference and I prefer the first one. Yeah, and it's that's a, th- a thing I feel like a lot of artists and DJs are really realising. I've had a lot of those conversations recently where it's a thing where it's like, with having agents, with having management, it's often like, bigger, 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 bigger. Yeah. But those, <laughs> those big spaces can swallow you up. And like th- that closeness that you get of being in a but sweaty pocket, club. And your like pocket intimacy. can swallow the money Your pocket well. can swallow the money. Yeah, but I feel swe- like balance. I feel like, do you not feel like ideally you want a bit of both? Well, yeah, and um, well, of course I want my cake and eat of it. Of course. Um, sometimes it's not within your control. Like, again, when you get to a certain tier of artists, it might not be mm. productive to really be seeing these 800, and that's massive, 800 cap people, but because it might hold back the 15,000 cap situation that can really help you in your situation immensely. So you've got to do it a few times and then try and equal out your balance and say, all right, you've done it, but... That being said, I don't think there'll be any show I'll be turning down as long as like you've got what I asked for. It could be 10 people or two people, whatever. I'll be there. All right, you might regret saying that once people What, 10 or two? <laughs> I'll tell you this now. I've done an empty festival. I've done an empty festival with The Bug the other day. I don't know what type of setup it was. I don't know. I say setup and I don't mean the equipment. I mean, why are we performing to the staff only? What, not even one punter? Not even one punt. I don't understand. And it said festival on my itinerary. And when I got there, so said, so done. This was a big production. Sound check. Beer things. And then when I got there, <laughs> you know you know what to expect. People, <laughs> to say the least. People, music, noise. And they had acts. They had acts. Like there was acts before us. That's who we performed to. The acts and the staff. Did they enjoy it at least? They tried to tell me great performance, man. Do you know what they're trying to tell me? Great performance. But I reckon that was, bro, I felt sorry for you, but you've done it anyway. 
I think that's what they meant. Did you find it funny or were you vexed? Can you do, how do you deal with those situations? That one what might have been the second or third airy, real airy, airy performance in my mm, whole mm. in my whole life. But because right. I but because I saw it was empty and I knew, I, I had it in my head, oh, you just gotta go and be a pro. Practice some lyrics you ain't said, or you don't say enough on stage, go and say them and just get this done. <laughs> but do you know what practice hours are a thing you know especially um, you don't really get to rehearse at that um, scale exactly. so that was um, priceless but that ain't what, what I was there for so that was crazy to deal with but I dealt with it just some off schedule just a studio time basically yeah I didn't get it I didn't get it um, don't know I don't know but that's one thing this industry does do right is keep you on your toes and this job yeah 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 um, that's bad for me because I like expectation I like to rehearse I like to plan I like to be prepared I don't like not knowing what's happening well do you know what's coming up next what's happening next for you shows shows anything significant They're any all significant, significant releases significant releases yeah Badders is out August 18th I think um, produced by Peekaboo, Skrillex, and G Rex. Wicked. It's an amazing song. And, and we've just had Badadan out. You. Hell yeah. Chasing status. Boo. Yeah, so we've got Trigger. Trigger. I love me a bit of jump up. Oh. oh. That's, that's what built me. That's my sweet spot. <laughs> I love some jump up. As soon as I saw that clip on Insta the other day, and I heard the. I actually screamed. I lost my shit. That's a big, big tune. Yeah, that's massive. It, um, again, unexpected. How it goes now is like they make the music or we make the music, then the producers have got the booking, the legitimate bookings, the legitimate audience to go and test the music out yeah. now. Yes, immediately. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's the yeah. dub plate culture. That's not it's not new, but it's digitalized mm. to the point where like you can get the feedback on your Insta, blah, blah, blah. And then you can realize, oh my God, this tune needs to be out now. Forget promo. We've just done it. It's gone viral. The promo's done. Send this off. This is coming out two weeks time. That interactiveness is like is the product of today. Do you feel like that? That like sort of interactiveness and that approach is similar to like those grime cipher radio days where it, everything would be happening like immediately in the moment. Like you're doing this go studio and now everything's like quick, 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 quick. There's no like logging it or putting it in whatever Zoom scheduling a Zoom and then discussing the studio and then having a studio two Bam. weeks. Later, do you know what I mean? It's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same energy. Yeah, right? like it was literally that. We'll make music in in the studio. Go radio. Play it. Um, within a week or two because people have taped it people will be talking about their favourite song and mm. copying the tapes and then that that news gets to the record shops because the people will come in and with that same tape and say right have you got this tune so the record sh shops know they ain't got this tune but then they phone you and say right when you're bringing out that tune we'll be like oh, I didn't even know people like that tune Crazy. you'll get that next week so that supply and demand just mm. from talking to the people they interact or they didn't interact but they definitely reacted same the bookings weren't as often but definitely that would happen at the bookings now like you get to the rave and they're waiting for the tune they heard on the radio and then you realize oh no you need to bring this out blah 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 then it actually got to the point where the record shop owners were listening to the radio shows themselves and saying nah we want this one that one phone you up and say is it even a record yet no nah, this is like just us experimental tune. Well, guess what? We've got X amount of money for you if you bring it out. Wow. Done. 
Wow. <laughs> uh, I say I or we, but it was more Wiley that was experiencing that because he was making the music and his phone was ringing. But like he would have weeks where he feels like extorting people and changing the price and just saying, right, well, last week it was £3, but this week it's £4. So the record labels would kind of say, right, we're not phoning Wiley for no more records. And they would like have a committee phone up each other and say, right, band Wiley, don't buy no more records. So once he realised that, he sends me in the shops because I'm a new face. Right. I'm a new name. It's his product, but... Did I they fall for it? Well, yeah, because I'm not saying four pound. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say 350. And then we we move. And I guess the so much less risk as well because of that supply and demand thing as opposed to like now having to like blind press like a thousand records and then having to like sit back with the and shape of anxiety waiting to see if they sell and how much money you've lost off your advance and red facts facts that was um that was never a nice situation but again we experienced that we didn't really always sell out of everything there was times when like mr man would think yo this one's gonna go and no one's heard it yet but it didn't go as much as the ones that I heard yet. So yeah, that that was all a part of it. There's no guarantees, no matter sure. what. But today, as I said, it's nice to just play a song and not just that party heard it. Mm. Everyone's posting it, everyone's going mad and the vibe spreads to the point where you can be sure this needs to go. Well, yeah, there's always going to be that, always has been that element of risk, I suppose, but that's what makes all of this so exciting. And I guess you've got to be a bit nuts to do it, which I think you admit you are. So I'm not normal. <laughs> Far from normal. We know that. And that's why we love you. And that's why you are a one of one. And uh, thank you for coming through and chatting to me today. It's been really lovely. Oh, thank you, Tash. I love you. Love you too. Obviously, always going to be keeping ears out for anything you've got coming out. Always exciting, always fresh always the sickest it's been Flo Dan on the Resident Advisor Exchange with Tash LC see you next time yo listen you hear that yo thank you for listening to this RA Exchange with Flo Dan many thanks to Tash LC for moderating this conversation to Nikki for facilitating and to Flo Dan for his time this episode was recorded in association with The Cube where I'd like to produce all of the Resident Advisor podcasts when I'm not in Berlin it's London's first member studio for music and content creators. The Cube membership offers a monthly allocation of studio time, giving you the right space, infrastructure, and network to create effortlessly. Cube's mission is to empower creatives to make a living from their art while benefiting from a carefully curated community. If you're a music producer, songwriter, artist, photographer, or a podcaster, and would like to apply for a membership, head over to thecube.com. Cube spelled Q-U-E-E, and check out their membership tiers, which start from 90 pounds per month, including studio time. The track playing in the outro of this episode is one of Flodan's, and you can see him play on RA's stage at Waterworks Festival this weekend in London. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please subscribe to the RA Exchange and listen to our full archive of conversations on ra.co or on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. If you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear on the podcast or stories you'd like to share, please send us an email at exchange at ra.co. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care. Welcome to London. Yo, that's how we function. That's how we function. Nobody don't trust nobody. Welcome to London. Yeah, that's how we function. That's how we function. 
Nobody don't trust nobody round here. What? Welcome to London. Flexing, but slowly we're suffering. All this name brand you see, man, covered in. We go hard where we know we're gonna look good. But the ego don't show when we're struggling. Cold, even though we got the teapot bubbling. Youngers on the roadside, they do the hustling. So the street crime's always epidemic. And you could find a real killer in the club shuffling. Yo, so welcome to London, fam. Black cabs, red buses, and the white van. Man, they got oysters, they're not just seafood. So the boy, them can follow and see. 24 hours every day, my city don't sleep. You need peas in my city, cause it's not cheap. Top quality has never been a guarantee. We'll extort with your friends and family. Cold when it's critical. Cool but cynical. Maxed out, never minimal. That's how we function. Cold when it's critical. Cool but cynical.